Welcome to Satsang and happy Navaratri. Today is the first sacred day of the nine days dedicated to the Mother Goddess. Living here on the banks of Mother Ganga, we worship and celebrate the Mother Goddess all day, every day. But Navaratri is a, a very, very special, very sacred occasion. In fact, the, the Hindu spiritual tradition is the only tradition I'm aware of that has such a, a deep, elaborate, long, powerful, holiday and also twice a year we have one in the fall the autumn and one in the spring dedicated to the divine feminine dedicated to the mother goddess and this is the time that we pray we celebrate we worship the many many forms of the mother goddess and so during this sacred time of Navaratri, during our satsang and meditation, we'll be taking every day a different form of the Mother Goddess, because each day of Navaratri actually is dedicated to another manifestation of the Divine Mother. Of course, she's infinite. Like the divine has infinite forms, infinite manifestations. Nonetheless, there are a few that we, that we especially worship at this time. And we'll look at what are those, what are those significances? What does it mean in our lives to worship the divine? the Divine Mother. And also, interestingly, each day also has a, a different form of ego. Because when we speak about Ma Durga, who is the, the most common name taken for the Mother Goddess during these days, Ma Durga is full of energy full of shakti, full of fire even sometimes. When we speak about Makali, it's that, that energy that removes from us all of that within us which is holding us back. Sometimes people talk about it being a, a fear-inducing energy of the mother, but it isn't. It's not about destruction to destroy. It's not about malice or violence or nothing like that. This is the Divine Mother. This is Ma. This is the Sacred Goddess. So that fiery energy, when we come to it, when we speak about it in the form of Durga or Kali, is to actually remove from us 
that within us which is holding us back, which is keeping us stuck from actually living as, embodying, knowing, realizing the truth of who we are. which is divinity, which is oneness with God, which is fullness, which is wholeness, completeness, love, truth, all of that. And so every day there's actually also another form of ego that we'll talk about. So we'll talk about a form of the mother goddess, a form of the divine feminine, and a form of our ego. Because the ego, of course, is not just one lump sum thing. The ego takes a lot of different forms. And as we walk a spiritual path, we realize how, how subtle the ego can be. How it pops up sometimes in one way. It pops up another way in other times. And becoming free of the ego, it's not about annihilating it. Sometimes people talk about annihilating the ego. But for me, the image of war, the image of annihilation, is never one that actually works very well because I always feel like whoever wins that war, you're going to bed with the loser, right? I mean, it's, it's all us in bed together at the end of the day. And so if I'm annihilating, going to battle against a part of me. Well, whoever wins is going to bed with whoever loses. And so, unless you want conflict inside, for me, I think about it much more as becoming free of the hold of that part. So it's not about, I'm going to kill you, ego. I'm going to annihilate you. I'm going to smush you and smother you, and, but rather, I'm going to be free. I'm no longer going to let you run my life. I'm no longer going to let you have the, the steering wheel, the reins of this vehicle, this chariot. So we'll take every day a beautiful form of the Devi that day's form, what she can mean to us, and also a form of ego, that on that day, we pray to the Devi, pray to that mother goddess to be free of. And today, the very first day, the Devi today, the goddess worship today, is Shail Putri, literally means the daughter of the mountains. She's the daughter of the Himalayas. And for us, it's actually so especially beautiful because here we are sitting in the, the lap of the Himalayas. So she's the daughter of the mountains. Other names for her are Sati, Parvati, and there's so many different stories throughout different incarnations, and I won't, I won't go into all of those because otherwise our, our whole time will go into that. But Shail Putri took 
the form, actually. She got that name because she took the form of a, a small mountain actually to protect a beautiful cow. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story of her taking the form of this small mountain in order to obscure, to protect the cow from the demon. And so when we think about her, when we think about this daughter of the mountain, but also the one who takes the form of the mountain, it's a beautiful reminder of the power that we have to be strong. Sometimes as women, as embodiments of that goddess, we think, oh, you don't want to seem too strong. That's not feminine. And I love that we begin Navaratri with the form of the goddess who actually took the form of a mountain, of a rock. What's harder than that? What's stronger than that? So we begin Navaratri with this beautiful form. And she is the, well, her abode is said to be chakra, which is the, the lowest in terms of the physically lowest chakra. It is the root chakra. So the chakra that literally is at the root of our physical being. But tragically, people speak about it also as a lower chakra in terms of a subjective sense of higher is better, lower is bad. Well, the muladhar chakra, mool, is root, it's foundation. And what we know is that if you want to build anything, you have to have a strong foundation. Can you imagine trying to build a home, a building, any structure with denigration toward the foundation, with this idea of somehow, oh, I don't want to pay attention to the foundation. Foundation is bad. Foundation is lower. Any architect, any builder, any contractor would laugh at you. They would explain to you that your structure, your entire structure, is only as strong as the foundation is strong. And so the Muldhar Chakra, this root chakra, is really this foundation of both the physical body and the energetic body. Now, yes, it is also the place where our humanity intersects with and begins to diverge from our animal instincts. And so this is where we speak about the Muldhar Chakra as that, that energy center of animal instincts. But again, that doesn't make it bad or lower or worse, but rather something that is essential to look at, to understand, to see, and then from which to grow out of, to realize, yes, we have these urges, we have these instincts, we have this at the root of who we are. 
and we are beings of divinity, beings of consciousness, beings of love, beings of awareness, when we choose to use it. And so as we, as we focus on the Muldar Chakra, it gives us this beautiful energy of choice. Where are you going to go with your life? Are you going to stay focused, directed on, responding to, a slave of the animal instincts? Or are you going to begin this beautiful journey from that foundation upwards? Because of course when we build a home or a structure, as important as the foundation is. Ultimately, we want to build upon it. We don't want to stay in the foundation. We use that to build upon it. And in the same way in our energetic being, we are rooted, grounded, aware of those instincts, of that power, of those drives, because whether you look at it spiritually or you look at it psychologically, denial, repression, suppression doesn't serve anyone. So to deny the existence of those powerful energies, to repress them, to suppress them, is not only useless, but it's detrimental. So Shail Putri reminds us, begin here. Begin in the root, begin at the foundation, and then move upwards. And as we think about the ego, that today, this first day of Navaratri, the ego that we look at today, the ego that we pray to the Devi to free us of, is the ego of Shumba. I-ness, the sense of I, me. And interestingly, it's that tunnel vision, just me, just I, this very, very small ego that in many ways is also the source of so much of that which powers the energy of the Muladhar Chakra, that animal instinct. If you look at that which drives animals to eat, to procreate, to protect themselves, it's just about me, only I. And so this ego is that which we need to be free of today. And when the when the power of the Shakti comes into our lives, that power of the Mother Goddess comes into our lives, think about it as being in the arms of the Mother. How does that make you feel? And I don't mean go back to your personal psychological stories of whatever the drama may have been with your biological mother if it wasn't fantastic. I mean, 
archetypally, being in the arms of the Divine Mother, how does that feel? It feels, ah, it's a sense of merging, of melting into those arms. There's a beautiful story of a young boy who's on a boat and the boat is sinking. And everybody on the boat is panicking and rushing for life vests and life jackets. And this young boy is sitting very calmly and happily. And someone says to him, Honey, aren't you worried? This boat is sinking. You're going to die. Why aren't you worried? And the boy says, My mom is over there. She'll take care of me. So, when we think about being in the arms of the mother, it fills us with that very, very archetypal sense of <sighs> that merging and melting into a sense of security, of faith, that I don't need to hoard. I don't need to grab, I don't need to be only focused on me and I. I can merge and melt into the arms of the mother. And so on this day, let us really look in our own lives about where, where that small sense of I and mine, me, is keeping us. from expanding. This, this myth of separation that we speak about so frequently, feeling separate, separate from God, separate from each other, separate from the earth, is the core of all of that which ails us today. From depression, to anxiety, to addiction, to conflict in our families, in our communities, in our nations to climate change and environmental destruction. When I feel separate, when I'm connected only to, identified only with, aware only of, I, me, I suffer. I suffer depression. I suffer anxiety. I look for so many things to fill me to make me feel whole and full and complete. I suffer in my family. I bring suffering to my community. I become an agent of suffering in the world to Mother Earth. But when I realize it's not this individual I, it's we. As Pooja Swamiji always says, when I becomes we, illness becomes wellness in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world. So on this day, as we worship Devi Shailputri, we pray to her to free us from that bondage of I. And her mantra, it's very simple. Her mantra is Om Devi 
Shail Putrai Nama. Om Devi Shail Putrai Nama. Om Devi Shail Putrai Nama. Chant that mantra today as much as you can and bring in that beautiful form of the goddess, the daughter of the mountain, the embodiment of that mountain, but who becomes it and then as soon as her father appears, as soon as it's no longer needed, again she goes back to her original form. So when we find that strength within us, that ability to be the mountain within us, that rock within us, it's not that we stay like that. It's not that we have to harden ourselves. It's just that we're able to evoke that, to bring that, to embody that as and when necessary. And then we're able to let it go and to go back to our, our other forms. And we'll talk about all of the other forms of the, the Devi over these, over these beautiful nine days. So I know we have some, some questions this evening. And if you have questions, as I said, these days we're going to focus on the Mother Goddess, on Navratri, on the Divine Feminine. So any, any questions that you have, write them in the comments here. And if we don't get to them today, we'll get to them over the next few days. And I know we usually don't have satsang on Sundays or Wednesdays, but we will this week. It's a special Navratri schedule. We will go continuous all nine days, same time with prayers and mantras for the Devi, satsang of the Devi, mantra of the Devi, and then questions dedicated to Devi. Yes? So the first question that's come in, Sadhguruji, is in addition to Navratri today, it is the International Eradication of Poverty Day. And can you speak to how we can all work to remove the darkness of poverty from our society. Beautiful. And it's actually so perfect because Shail Putri is also the embodiment of Mother Nature. And Mother Nature is nothing if not abundant and freely giving. If you look at all of nature, what does nature do? Nature gives and gives and gives. The trees provide us fruit, shade, water. The rivers give us water. Everything that grows keeps providing and providing and providing in abundance. Poverty, the horrendous evil of poverty, the scourge of poverty, 
that is happening in our world today is not due to the fact that we don't actually have enough. It's that those who have choose in ways. <coughs> those who have choose in ways. They choose to eat, to shop, to live, to do business in ways that pull the resources out of the hands of others. And so on this day, <coughs> on this day of eradication of poverty, on this day dedicated to Shail Putri, the embodiment of Mother Nature, it is so important for us to remember we are not put here any more deserving than another. We are here as embodiments of the divine on earth, all of us. There's a beautiful, a beautiful line in the Upanishads that says, Isha Vasyam Idam Sarvam Yatkincha Jagatyam Jagat. And what it means is all of creation, the entire universe, is pervaded by the divine. Therefore, remember, nothing belongs to you. Everything is of the divine. Therefore, what you use Use with the awareness that it does not belong to you, belongs to God. And today, that which is happening in our world through poverty, through hunger, through disease, through so much that is a ramification of poverty, is happening because those of us who have the power to choose, choose in ways of ignorance, choose in ways in which somehow we think we are more deserving, more worthy than others. We eat in ways, we shop in ways, we travel in ways, we do business in ways that pulls the resources from our sisters and brothers. In yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, Ashtanga Yoga, given to us by the sage Patanjali begins with the foundation. We were speaking today about the Muldhar Chakra, the foundation, the root. Well, the root of yoga are the yamas and the niyamas, yam and niyam which reminds us how to live non-violently, truthfully, without stealing, without hoarding. This is the, the root of yoga. It is the root of dharmic living. And what that means is not just that we don't go out with a gun or a missile or a bomb and kill people. It means that in our lives, how we live, how we eat, 
how we shop, how we dress. Animal agriculture, the raising of meat for food, the raising of animals for food, the cows, the pigs, the chickens who are raised to become hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken McNuggets, is not only the single greatest cause of climate change, but it is also one of the single greatest causes for hunger in the world. We actually produce enough food to feed 10 billion people. But about a billion people go to sleep hungry every night because the grain that we produce is fed not to hungry humans, but to the animals who will become hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken McNuggets on the plates of those who have the luxury to choose. Our urge for more, 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 cheaper, cheaper, cheaper is creating an economic situation where women and children are in sweatshops working for nothing because we want items on sale. We want more, 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 but cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. If we insisted on fair trade in our clothing, in our food items, we would create a ripple impact on businesses across the world that insist that workers are paid a fair wage that insist that they have healthy working conditions. Let us, as we worship the mother, what is the divine feminine embodying? Sharing, giving, right? Women's bodies are what? They are the only, only place from which creation can happen. The divine. In Hinduism, we speak about a trinity of divine power, Lord Brahma, the creator, Lord Vishnu, the sustainer, Lord Shiva, the dissolver. Well, Lord Brahma, the creator, gave that power, put that power in the bodies of women to create. So women, the feminine is seen as that power of creation. Well, as we worship the Divine Mother, that power of loving creation, let us find it within ourselves. Whether we're women or whether we're men, it doesn't matter. Gender identity, physical bodies, have nothing to do with our ability to embody, to manifest the power of the Divine Feminine. Let us embody that, let us channel that, let us find that creative power within ourselves, the nourisher, the nurturer, mother nature, the giver within ourselves. And make choices, live in ways that allow all to live. No mother would feed only one of her children. Let us channel that power of the Divine Mother. And even if it means we have to go without a little bit, sacrifice a little bit, 
Well, hey, that's what mothers do, right? Mothers sacrifice so much for their children. Let us channel that and be prepared to sacrifice a little bit, a little bit of choice. I like how that tastes. I want my shopping therapy. Just a little bit. Can we sacrifice a little bit? Can we live a little more simply so that others can simply live? Yes. And Sadhiji touched on it already in many ways, but the second question today comes on how we often see those who are affluent experience a sense of great scarcity. And if you could shed light on, on the poverty of often experience, even in affluence. Beautiful question. We'll take this as our, our concluding question for this evening. It's a beautiful question, especially with regard to Mahalakshmi, who we we worship as the embodiment of abundance, of prosperity. But tragically, people tend to think of her as the goddess of wealth, as in coins and bills, dollar bills, rupee bills, euro bills, whatever they may be. The real wealth, the real abundance and prosperity isn't about how much I've got in my bank account. And so the idea of those with an abundance of wealth experiencing a poverty shouldn't actually come as the surprise that it does. The question that you asked makes us realize how, how blind we are in so many ways and how we have gotten indoctrinated into this idea that an abundance of money is somehow synonymous with an abundance of inner fulfillment or an abundance of happiness or an abundance of peace, but it's not. Yes, of course. And we just spoke about it in terms of eradication of poverty day. Yes, one must have absolutely enough financial resources that there's food on the table, that there's a roof over our head, that there's a sweater in the wintertime, that we know where our meals are coming from, that we have access to medical care, access to education. But what we know is that beyond that, it's not about more money, more happiness. That happiness, that sense of fulfillment inside of Abundance inside comes from deep connection. It comes from deep connection to ourself, to the divine. Connection to the world. Connection to the creator and the creation. It comes from service, from giving. There are innumerable scientific studies showing how giving, how serving, actually brings about greater happiness, greater fulfillment, greater meaning than getting. 
So when we're looking for abundance and wealth inside, we can't look in our bank account or at the cars in our driveway or counting the bricks in our house. More is better. We have to look in our heart. How much am I serving? giving? How connected am I to the presence of the divine within myself and in the presence of the divine in the world around me? And how much am I an embodiment of that? How grateful am I? Because we do know that there is a direct correlation between gratitude and happiness. A lot of us get it backwards. We think, first I'll get what I want, then I'll be grateful. Sounds normal. First you give me the present, then I say thank you. But actually, what we've found is that through gratitude, we actually get what we want, which is happiness. So it's not, oh God, make me happy, then I will thank you. It's through, through my gratitude through my experience of awareness of connection to my cup that runneth over, I find that which I'm looking for. I find that joy. I find that meaning. I find that connection. That's the prosperity. That's the abundance. So if you happen to be blessed with an abundance of Financial resources, wonderful, use them. You've been made a trustee for the world, use it. But don't think that in that is where your actual happiness is going to come from. They can certainly coexist only if you look for it. Just by having the, having the money, we're not going to be happy. His Holiness the Dalai Lama said so beautifully, if you've got the most beautiful, beautiful penthouse suite on the highest floor of the tallest building, but you're depressed, all you're going to do is look for a window out of which to jump. So it's not the penthouse suite that brings the joy. If you're depressed, you're going to carry it to the penthouse suite. What brings joy is connecting to the creator and the creation in ourselves and in the world around us. And then serving that creator in that creation. 